Hey, welcome to Cats Got Our Tongues. Uh, this is the University Star Sports Podcast. I'm Jacob Rodriguez. I'm the sports editor. I'm here with three of my reporters. I'll just go ahead and let them introduce themselves. Hi, everyone. I'm Jacob Summers. Hey, what's going on? My name is Sean Anchando. Hello, I'm Colton McWilliams. A few things I want to talk about today. Uh, softball went over to Houston for the Houston Red and White Showcase. The team went 2-3 and three at the tournament, ho- uh, hosted by the Houston Cougars. Uh, they were also the last team that would beat the Bobcats, uh, the final score being 8-3. So that finished the, the team out with a 9-10 and 10 record overall on the season. So just under 500 for that. But a team that is doing pretty well and was also in Houston over the weekend uh, was baseball. Jacob, I know you had a few things to say about this baseball team. Yeah, I mean, I thought we were looking really good. I think our pitching has been phenomenal. I think our closing, especially from um, Brent Haber, has been on point. His slider has been spectacular, and that's, you know, those off-change uh, pitches are what you need when you don't have a lot of power up front. Um, we had two, you know, great wins, one against Rice, one against Houston. One was a low-scoring game, one was a high-scoring game. And then we had just an absolute heartbreaker uh, which I know some of us in this room were comparing to the heartbreaker that the Rangers uh, <laughs> faced at the hands of the my St. Louis Cardinals in Game 6 of the 2011 World Series. But the reason it draws so many similarities to that is because we were up one run, we were up three to four in the top of the ninth inning. We were a home team, obviously, so Baylor is at bat. And we had them down to two strikes, two outs. Um, Bear, Brent Bear. My man that I was talking about that I've admired so much in his closing duty so far this year um, was at the at the rubber. He was pitching, and unfortunately, we just couldn't get the job done. We allowed two runs in that top of the inning, and then uh, honestly, in the bottom of the ninth, we had a chance to at least tie it up, but some great, great, phenomenal defensive plays from Baylor. I mean, that's what you get when you're ranked 12th in the nation, just sealed the deal, and unfortunately, we were not able to win all three games, but I think... Just putting up, first of all, winning against Rice and Houston and then putting up such a close fight, you know, a claw-scratching fight against Baylor, who's just a really good baseball team. There's no way to shake it other than that. I think it shows that, you know, the baseball team is here to play this year. Yeah, no, I definitely feel like the baseball team is here to play. I was also very surprised when we upset Houston like that. I, I don't think we were favored to win that game. Um, I know in my own mind we were not favored to win that game. Um, I was also a little surprised when we didn't just outright smack Rice, but, you know, that's another story, I guess. Um, Yeah, no, that Houston game was impressive. I want to talk about the top of the lineup in that game. Uh, I know at the beginning of the year they were running second baseman uh, Jackson Williams, uh, who Sean agrees that's a great baseball name. (laughs) But uh, they had him, you know, leading off the lineup. But uh, this Dalton Shuffield, I mean, he doesn't have as much power as Williams, and I think that's why Williams has slipped down to number two, but he's been on point, and he had four hits and five at-bats. Jackson himself had three and five, and then Jalen went two for four. Um, But who I really want to talk about is Will Hollis. I mean, I don't think anyone expected the power out of this kid. I think that he was going to be, you know, a late lineup powerhouse or, you know, maybe a five-hitter at best, but I think he's honestly our best cleanup option we have right now. Uh, him right behind Jalen and Shuffled and Jackson Williams, I think he's the best cleanup option we had. And I think, honestly, if we would just run um, Ryan Newman in the five hole right after him and stop trying to r- work Cole Coffee in as much, uh, we would be a lot better of a baseball team. But obviously I don't get paid to make those decisions. So, And we beat UTSA last night. We did. We did. And um, – I, yeah, that uh, lineup was actually one that I kind of favored. 
If we look at it real quick, give me a second. We had Shuffled at the one, Jackson at the two, Jalen at the three, Hollis at the four. And so the only thing they had Ryman at, or Ryan Newman at the six. So once again, they tried to put in Skylar Valentin if they, I think, would have just bumped up Ryan, who, I mean, he didn't have any hits last night, so maybe it was a good call, but now they did Skylar. So, you know. Still pretty early into still yeah, pretty early into the sure. season. For but sure. But I think well. a, a good lineup is starting to take form. I think our top four are strong. And um, I think our pitching has been really good too. And this is supposed to be a rebuilding year, so the fact that we're just competing yeah. kind of makes a, a big difference. Totally. Where do they play this week? Um, we have our next game is going to be against Incarnate World and it is in here, right here, home. And then we have Yukon number twenty five. Three games against Yukon. So that should be a good, you know, see where we tried against that. Yeah, and that's here over the weekend, too, mm-hmm. starting Friday at 6.30. So uh, talking about another team that's on the come-up, the women's basketball team, Colton McWilliams is kind of almost our beat reporter for the women's team. Troy and South Alabama made the trip to San Marcos over the weekend. The Trojans would leave the 7866 zip code with a dominating win, and then we would kind of bounce back and do the same thing to South Alabama. Colton? What are your immediate reactions to the game and kind of like how the team has developed throughout the, the season? Well, the Troy game, like I said, Troy was, is one of the top teams in the Sun Belt. Like, they are right now third in the conference. So, like I said, they're a really good team. And our, the women played really good, but like I said, it was their defensive effort really felt short. Like, they had problems about contesting threes and getting the rebounds. And I think that really killed them in the end. But coming back to the South Alabama, this was a really important game because between us, South Alabama, Appalachian State, and Coastal Carolina, it is a four-way scrum about getting a first-round bye in the Sun Belt tournament. So, like I said, South Alabama was without their best player. So it gave Texas State the advantage, but they still needed to play. And like I said, Tasha Levitt, oh my gosh, if y'all went to the game. Tasha Levitt was on fire. Absolutely went off, I would say, probably at the later portions of the second, and then the majority of the third, she was on fire. Mm -hmm. But like I said, she hit 20 points, but most importantly, went six for nine from three-point range. I mean, whenever you have a game like that, you're definitely going to win. You're just hitting them all day. Mm -hmm. And like I said, they ended up winning 77 to 45, and like I said, it was a huge win with because with the win, they are now in place for a first-round bye. So. Yeah. And you said we were. Uh, it was possible by the end of the season we could get a second-round bye too. Yeah. So. So how would that be possible? So right now Georgia State is in that position. They're currently their conference record ten and seven. Okay, and they're and fourth. That, and fourth is yeah. Like I said, that's the only team we can realistically. Dethrone. Okay. Dethrone. So. Uh, yeah. So here we go. So Georgia State's really realistically is the only team we can catch. Mm-hmm. So with a Georgia State loss and an App State loss, with their win next week, this Saturday with UTA, we could, with a chance, be in, with a second round bye. Okay. So App State, Georgia State has to lose, and we beat UTA, mm-hmm. and we're in two round bye. We're in that fourth place territory. Yes. But like I said, UTA is going to be a really tough team because right now they're the number one seed and they're shooting for a regular season tournament. I mean, the regular season championship right. game. So. And is that here or in Oh, it's, it's in San Marcos. Okay. So like right I said, on. big rivalry game. Both teams are really shooting 
for basically first place or a second round bye. So, which would be huge. Which would be huge. Like, like I said, really big game this Saturday. Nice. We'll show out for that, everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's who, what the men are. Excuse me. That's what the women's team is doing this week. What the men's team are doing this week are almost more of the same thing. They have the same schedule. So they play UTA again on Saturday uh, for their last game at UTA. And the last time UTA played Texas State, Brian Warren, number zero, absolutely went off. And that's the biggest threat that the Bobcats have going into the game itself. Uh, Looking at his stats right now, uh, last time they played, uh, it was the blackout game. Everybody was there. Biggest home crowd to that point in the Texas State's career, or Strahan Arena at the moment. Uh, But Brian Warren made a career high, a season high, excuse me, 11 points for field goals made. Um, Basically, I think Texas State just has this handful filling with Brian Warren and a few things that uh, I think we want to talk about. Uh, Sean's going to take care of. Yeah, so he scored, Brian Warren scored 30 points against Texas State uh, back in that record-setting attended game. And uh, I mean, after that game, he he only he only made uh, nine he only got nine points. But out of the last three, no, four of the last nine games, he shot over fifty percent. So he's kind of been on and off, but lately he's been really hot. So that's that's a that's you don't you don't want to go into a shootout with that team because if, um, the last three games or the last four games, uh, players like uh, Nigel Pearson and Trey Nottingham have not been shooting very well. Uh, last game, Nigel Pearson only scored one point. He was 0 for 8 in, in shooting, which uh, from from your best player, you really need him to start playing well. And also, Trey Nottingham, his he's supposed to be your sharpshooter in his... Uh, uh, out of the last six games, he's 13 of 56. He's shooting at 23%. That's well below his, his, um, his three-point percentage uh, all season, which was 31%. Uh, Against Arkansas State, he went 0 for 6, and uh, on Thursday against Troy, he went 0 for 4. So that you definitely want those guys that they need to step it up because they're in a three-way tie, and you definitely you want to get that first round, those two first round buys in the Sun Belt tournament. And let, and let's talk about over the weekend what happened with the men's team. So the men's team played Troy and South Alabama as well uh, against South Alabama, or excuse me, against Troy. Got a closely contested win. They took a you know the bus down the road. And they played South Alabama. I didn't even really turn on the game until the fourth fourth uh, period, and I was very shocked when I turned it on. I just saw the last five minutes uh, when we got into foul trouble. We started hitting the late threes that would try and get us out of trouble, but just couldn't do it at the last minute. Well, in the second half, they they started to make a little comeback. Uh, what really hurt this team was uh, Nigel Pearson. He gets two early fouls early in the game, and Eric Terry, one of your better, like your your big man, he got two early fouls. So it like really set the tone for the for the game. Like in the first half, it was it was real back and forth, and then in the second half, they went uh, South Al went on a like eighteen point um, run to start the half. It was eighteen to zero. They didn't score for almost <laughs> midway through the second half. It was crazy. I have a couple points I would like to see what y'all think about. So, um, starting off with the Brian Warren thing, number zero for UTA. Mm-hmm. Um, he's amazing. So let's just leave it at that. He's a really good basketball Arguably player. Arguably one of the best players in Sunbelt. Okay, yes. Agreed. So, good basketball player. Okay, so, I think to defend him, we're going to need to use a lot more zone, a lot more 
uh, bump and slip a lot more. I don't think we can rely on Trey to single him up and have to guard him because I think, and jumping over to your point about Trey not being so well, I think one of Trey, I think he's a good basketball player, but I think one of Trey's biggest downfalls is when a point guard across from him, the guy that he is squared up against, ha- starts having a good game, starts knocking down threes. I think Trey has to feels like he has to rush into his own game. If someone, if the point guard on the other team makes three tr- three shots before Trey does, he starts rushing himself. He starts turning the ball over. He starts forcing up bad shots, and I think he really doesn't play to his full potential. I think whenever the game comes to him and we get going early, he's a completely different player. And so I think they're, and I, I think Casper knows this, but I think to really beat UTA, we're going to have to help him out with, um, what was his name again? Brian Warren. Brian Warren. I think we're going to have to help him out there because I think Trey really is a kind of a monkey see, monkey do kind of point guard. Whenever the other team starts making threes, he wants to shoot threes. When the other team starts penetrating the paint, that's when he starts penetrating the mm-hmm. paint. But he just needs to sit back feed his guys, and trust trust their game. Yeah, I, and I totally agree. Like, Trey, Trey Nottingham, when he, he even says it after the games, whenever he has those good games. Right. Once one goes in, three more are going to go in. Right. And that's just how he is. Like, he's real hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Like, and he he takes a lot of bad shots. Like, that's, the, the MO of this team is they play really good defense and take they take good shots. Like, look at Nigel Pearson. He goes 0 for 8, but he took a bunch of good shots they just weren't following. That right. happens. Nottingham, he tries to shoot his way out of these slumps, right. and that hurts him a lot. Mm-hmm. And like he, like he'll take he'll take one pass, and, and they'll shoot it. Like they're they're not even, I don't know. It's just it's it's not it's not a good look. Which, yeah, which is alarming in the regular season. Mm-hmm. We start talking about tournament play. That's almost cataclysmic. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Oh, yes. yes, along just, with the other problems we've had, like free throws and such. I mean, I know we've turned that around. Yeah, well, I actually have those doesn't. numbers in front of me. These, yeah, these up. free throw numbers, which is, uh, I went, I was at the last UTA game uh-huh. and I couldn't believe how bad their free throw shooting was. They shot forty five percent, but ever since that game, they've gotten better. Like App State, the next week, the next game, they shoot fifty seven percent. Arkansas State sixty four, then they go up to eighty four percent. All the way up to 86 to ULM, and then against South Al, 72. So they're shooting around the 70, 80. That's where you want in college, in Division One college basketball. So that's, it's better. They, they're getting better at certain things, but it just seems like they're in a in a slump offensively. And they're letting these these other guards that they're playing, they just go off. Every team they've been playing yeah. on the road, mm-hmm. this guard, like the guy from, uh, what's his name, uh, Shabazz from uh, oh. App State, like mm. I can't, I can't. I'm, I don't have his. Yeah, I don't yeah, have yeah. his name at top. But he, he goes off. Like they, I think, they need to get back to where they were at before. Play good defense, good shot selection. And I think that'll be, that'll be all right. Yeah. And this game's huge. Like you got. I think you, the bump and slip defense will be huge. Like you said, I think they need to help out. I think the big men need to move their feet quick, and then I think the the little guys need to recover. And I mean, no, I'm not trying to downgrade them by calling them little guys, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. guards and um. Yeah, like you said, I think guards really do light this team up. I don't think uh, many people want to play with us in the paint. I, we're pretty physical. We're pretty aggressive. And um, I think we just, when we see other shots dropping for another team, we get scared. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not the that's not a trait of a good basketball team. Even though we are good, we're talented, I'm just worried that deep down we're going to get hurt at the end of the season in playoff game, or in a playoff game or even you know before we make it there just because... Um, 
They, we don't play our own game. We try to mirror a game that's being played across from us. They need to come into this game on Saturday. This is the biggest game of the year. Agreed. Because you're, you're talking about you win this game. You, you could possibly get um, the first seed. If you mm-hmm. win the game, you're going to get it. A, a, at least the number two seed at the worst. Right. But some of the scenarios that I, I pulled up right now is if Georgia State wins and Texas State wins, the worst that Texas State can get is, is, a, is a second round. I mean, a second uh, seed. But if Golden, I mean, Golden State, if uh, <laughs> Georgia State wins and Texas State loses, Texas State goes all the way to number four. Wow. Yeah, so you lose, you lose on Saturday. It's, it's, it's a big, big loss. You're talking about Two uh two first round buys. Yeah. Going all the way to <laughs> number huge. four. Yeah. Now you gotta play more games than you wanted to. And then you you not only are you not winning the regular season where you get an automatic NIT uh bid, but you're also uh you you're you're not gonna go to the NCAA tournament either. Like it's right. that all that could be off the boards and it's gonna be they're gonna be trying to get into the NIT. Yeah. Which you thought you're gonna even be out. then maybe yeah it yeah. might be hard to get in the nit it's not they don't let allow everyone in the nit so yeah you this, gotta this, win the sun this this is the biggest game of the year and it can't be understated and if anyone can go out there to arlington like that that would be big too there was a i at the last game there was a bunch of people from uta here yeah i, I remember they're they're pretty loud so you should try, probably try to try to try to bring uh some fanfare out there moving on uh Another team that's kind of picking up pace again is the football team. I know they were in full pads today, um, but they're starting to gear up for the spring game, April 13th. What are some narratives we have to pay attention for? Well, de- definitely the quarterback. I think that's the biggest one. Yeah, yeah and, and like that's that's kind of like it's that's automatic. So run us run us down. Run it, like what's going on, who's where, and well, can, first of all, can we just I don't know if the audience knows this, but Willie Jones out of the picture. Yes, yes. not here anymore. So uh-huh. just. To let you know that the only quarterback returning from last year is Tyler Vitt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then we have true go- freshman. Yeah, you got, you got. You also have Tyler Vitt, who was a starter last year, and they got Gresh Jansen, who I think is going to be the starter. And people have been kind of. Uh, I've been going back and forth with other Texas State people here, uh, alumnus, and like saying that I think to me, I like Tyler Vitt. I think he's really good, but I think he's eventually he's going to be the odd man out because Gresh is a Stitz guy. You have him for two. Offense. You still have two years with him, mm-hmm. and he he just he has a resume, unless unless Vit wants to be the the the, the career backup because you also have the guy that uh, Spavadol's bringing in too. The true freshman. The true freshman coming mm-hmm. in. Cedric Case, also yes. from the San Antonio area. Yeah, and he has a very accurate arm. I, I know it's high school, but I just, haven't seen him play. Uh, I've just looked at his numbers, and yeah. very accurate. Um, I think okay. So tell me what y'all think about this. I was actually talking to Tyler Vit last friday mm-hmm. about this and i asked him what he thought about the competition coming in and i don't know if he was just trying to downplay it to me or if he was being genuine but it sounded like to him he didn't really know much about these guys coming in um either case or um gresham and i that frankly surprised me i know they hadn't started pads i know they hadn't you know they've only been in a couple meetings so maybe it's genuine maybe he doesn't pay attention to that kind of stuff out kind of outside of football what do y'all think what he needs to do is read the star first of all (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but i'm honestly a vit guy welcome to vit marcos i'm behind that movement um I don't know. I just like Tyler Vitt. I think he's a tough player. He took a lot of tough shots, and he got back up and led the Bobcat offense, or you know what was left of it at that point. But 
don't know. I like it. You, you know, I, I heard a really interesting comparison on the SWC roundup. They called him like a poor man's uh, Sam Ellinger. And I was like, I was like, I never thought of that, but that it, he does play a lot like him. I he, think he makes great play, like smart plays. He makes big plays. He he makes a lot of bad throws, um, not bad throws, but bad decisions. But he's a freshman, so you kind of expect that he threw a lot of across his body throws, which is yeah. never to be done. Off his back foot, yeah, like in big moments. Yeah, he was in just the Alamo Dome, game <laughs> on the line. Yeah, he, and but he does offer that big play because they're. He, QB like, run from the one, <laughs> fumbled it in the Alamo Dome. He, yeah, uh, we we remember it. I remember you on Twitter. How angry you were! But it, <laughs> got thrown out of a press box because of how loud I screamed. Yeah, but he. I think he can be really good. Um, I mean, you you want to root for him too, but you you want you want the the best guy in there. And I've seen I've seen Gresh play too. Not live, but I've seen like a lot of his uh, the games he played in. He's really good. Like, and I think he he he's the perfect quarterback for that system. It's whoever buys into that the Bobstead uh, system. Well, hopefully, what you'd want is that they both buy in, and the competition is just going to breed better football. Because mm-hmm. also in the college game, how often is it that a starting quarterback starts the entire season mm-hmm. without you know barring injury, you know roster changes, just stuff like that, you know? And don't forget. They're they're returning what everyone on the offensive line, and uh, so. uh, Brewer is coming back, and that they're saying that dude's a monster. He's a what is he a sophomore or junior this year? But he he's he, uh, it's gonna be interesting um, who they have starting at running back. Mm. But he just how big they're how how much better more um, experience you have uh, in those trenches is gonna be big for this offense. And we have a couple pretty big moments for this Texas State team. Fairly early on too, the biggest teams we're gonna play is SMU, A M A&M. to start off the season. Wow. So it's gonna be very telling very early on what Shane our Michelle. offense can and can't do. Well, okay, early on though, speaking of early on, do y'all predict any kind of new coach hangover? I mean at all, or do you think it's just going to be I, immediate improvement? I was thinking about. I was actually thinking about that today. Okay. Because for uh, Jake Spavital, who's never had, he's never had a position like this. So mm-hmm. it's he's going to have to learn how to be an in-game manager. Also, Bob Stitt has never coached at this level before. He's he's only been a, an analytics guy at uh, Oak State. He's always been kind of like one of those Division Two or FCS guys. And let me add to that. Not only have they not been in positions like this, so it is a new position for them, they are in a new position with a completely new team. Mm-hmm. When I asked them in the uh, National Signing Day press conference how many kids of the 15 that are new freshmen, how many he signed, mm-hmm. he had only signed nine of them. Yeah. So of 83 roster spots, only nine of them are guys that he's met, he's recruited, he said, I want you on my team. The rest are, I'm not saying they're bad. You know, obviously they got recruited from somebody for reasons for their own. So I'm not, you know, discounting these other, gosh, 74 kids. But that's 74 kids that are complete. You don't know. You don't have history. You don't have chemistry with them. You don't know how they play. And it's new to you. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're learning a whole new, not just a whole new position, but a whole new organization. And I yeah. feel like that's going to take, especially when you're walking in against big dogs like A&M, SMU, there's going to be a small rollover phase that the, the whole mm-hmm. team's just naturally going to have to go through. Yeah, and and I I agree, and it's it's going to be, I think what helps them out a lot is all the experience they're going to have on defense. Their defense is returning all their best players, like you you have Brian Lennon's coming back, and that that guy is 
the the leader of almost the whole team. Like everyone, everyone I talk to over there that talks about the leadership, it's uh, maybe Ish Davis or mm-hmm. you got uh, Brian London. Like all these guys, they 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 really. I th- I think the defense is going to have a really big year. Zach Spavital, his his mo is is get turnovers. He mm-hmm. when he was at Texas Tech, he was. Um, uh, they they were top ten in in most categories first uh, forcing turnovers, so like with and the new new defenses in college football it's not about how many yards you can stop them for it's turnovers and that's going to be big possessions um, possessions. possessions and then with this offense you're going to need a lot of possessions and they are going to have a lot of possessions which brings me to almost my next point I, let's just let's all take this through you know so this is an example but I want everybody to just picture like a stool. Has three legs. Mm-hmm. The longest leg by far that Texas State has to lean on is defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, special teams is almost non-existent. <laughs> performance this year, and offense yeah. is a little shaky. Maybe it has some tape around it. I don't know. But if you lean on it all the way, it might crack. Yeah. So uh, I think the the biggest thing that Texas State fans will see at the games is. Uh, football IQ, but on the defensive side of the ball, and that's going to be where I think the biggest things that are positive are for this team is on the defensive and side it, of the ball. And that's just because the experience, right? Mm-hmm. We exactly. have athletes there. And isn't that the epitome of Texas State football, or not even football, Texas State athletics at a greater scale of let's just get athletes and plug and play. Yep. If we <laughs> yeah. get a good enough yeah. athletes, it doesn't matter what formation we run or what we, I mean, you just get the best people that we can and just put them out on the field. That just seems to be... Yeah, and that's what it felt like game. the past three years when Everett Withers was our head coach and yeah. was implementing these guys that maybe didn't fit that mold exactly, but we were still going to run that sort of offense or defensive scheme and, you know, throw I, caution to the wind maybe too. I, I I think with the offense, it it can't be worse than it was last year. It, it's almost impossible to, for the offense to be worse next uh, as it was last year. It was, they, they used to call the, the offense resurgence as a rumor. From Weathers, like it's just never, it's never gonna. It, we were hoping for it, but it never would happen. They just, they they would make plays between the twenties, and then when they get in the red zone, nothing. It just every game I watched was like that. Yeah, and it seemed like they're um, just watching the games from the press box. You know, whenever you watch it from up there, you could see the the scale of their you know offensive playbook, and it wasn't that big. It wasn't yeah. that deep. It, I don't think that was because the players aren't capable. I think these guys, you know, they played in really, they're mostly Texas football, you know, mm-hmm. it's deep, d- deep offenses, and I think these guys are smart enough to run it. I just don't think we implemented a deep offense with, you know, broad schemes and a bunch of different formations and looks. I'll tell you what I could hear in the press box, apart from, you know, (laughs) sighing and other things, is that on the other side is the Texas State coaches. I would just hear banging, yelling, uh, obscenities, obscenities, explicitives. Yeah. See, I thought, that was, I thought that was just the game I was at. I was at the App State. No, game. absolutely no, not. That was across game. the board. Yeah. Like we were, it was, it was funny. It was like watching the other reporters in there, and they they hear them banging on the windows, yelling obscenities, and it just got quiet in there. Everyone were like, well, then, a, then a few minutes later, you would see a player on the red phone, you know, nodding his head, yes, coach, yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> won't happen again, I promise. But the the good thing about this offense, when I talked to Coach Stid, is how simple this offense is, and uh, I don't know if it, it, it has to be like this, these complicated offenses. When these these guys, they're they're getting these one play, one word plays. It's real simple. It's more, uh, re- it's 
It's attacking the defenses. That that's what his offense is. He just attacks defense. He wants the defense to think, not the offense. So I think that's gonna be really big, and it, it's it, it's gonna be hard to stop this defense. But don't you think that might mean simple plays out of a bunch of different looks? Because how much is a defensive looking if or a defense thinking if you're just running, you know? Maybe a double wide shotgun mm-hmm. and then an eye formation, or yeah. I mean, not an eye, but you know, a single back or something. They just don't know where it's coming from. It, it could be, and you're right. It come, it's going to come from a lot of. I don't know if a lot of different formations, but it can go to anybody. Right. How, how the how that fly sweep or the uh, all, all those offenses that that, that uh, Stitt runs. So who's going to be our new um, our new ty- uh, not Tyler Tyler Watch? Yeah, who's going to be our new fly sweep guy? Who's going to be our new web back? Let me. Me enunciate that last syllable. You know, I haven't. Web. I haven't even thought of that. Yeah, I really have. That, that, that would have been great to write in my notes, but I don't know who it's going to be. Who's our speed? Who's our return guy? Who's our speed specialist? I might have to walk on to the field. Who's our? Yeah. Who's our position A for? Is athlete? Hutch coming back? Yeah, but is he that fast? He's pretty fast. He was a punt returner, so I would, okay. I would say. I thought that was just because he has good hands. Yeah. And yeah. Probably. Don't probably more of the same. There. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. I, I've. I've that's, that, that'd be a good question. I, I don't think that would tell us. Well, maybe you would. Uh, those, those guys are a lot funner to interview. Yeah. I don't want to take a shot at the last coaching staff, but these guys are a lot. Actually, the last ones are, like, Coach Mays, was uh, the tight ends coach, was really friendly. I really like that guy, too. Well, apart from Stitt, most of them are fairly young, too, mm-hmm. in yeah. their coaching. Mm-hmm. And, I think they're and their here coaching to, trees are fairly short, too. Right, mm-hmm. and I think they're here to please. I think that they're stoked on, like we said, it's a new position, mm-hmm. and I think they want to make this home, and I don't think they're looking to step on any toes early. Also, it's it's good that uh, Coach uh, Jake Spavadol, he's – Really putting himself in the community, like you totally. see him at the oh, basketball yeah. games, at the you, baseball games. Ba- he mm-hmm. goes at every like he's. He was uh, at Chimmy's. Yeah, people kissing babies. And yeah, he's he's <laughs> he's the politician, but he's you have a baby that needs to be kissed. He's very friendly. Like you can go up and talk to him. He'll talk football with you. And I'm always down for anyone that wants to talk football with me because I don't know enough about the X's and O's thing. That's like when I talked to Coach Stitt. It was like. Like grandpa was telling his stories, we were sitting, <laughs> <laughs> just sitting down, just listening to him talk. Like this is cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So be on the lookout for Sean's piece about Coach Stitt comes out next week sometime. Uh, only time will really tell for this Bobcat team. It's not even April yet, so we'll keep our eyes peeled and uh, you keep listening. This has been Cats Got Our Tongue. Uh, I'm Jacob Rodriguez, sports editor for the University Star.